Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. RJ, I hope you had a good uh, Christmas break there. I hope the Kraken had a good Christmas break, and I hope everybody listening to this had a good Christmas break. Exactly. I had a, I had a great Christmas break, but I miss Kraken hockey, especially having to miss that last post game while being on a flight. Thankfully, it timed out really well uh, where the game just ended as I was the plane was about to take off. So I got to put a quick message in post game chat. I want to thank again, um, Mike Sasquatch NHL for filling in for yep. me there doing a great job. Yes, he did a fantastic job. Thanks again, Mike, for, for helping us out like that. It was really awesome. And thanks to the community um, also for, for giving him such a warm welcome on that post-game live as well. Everybody really excited to see him uh, and, and did a great job there. Um, RJ, we're going to be talking all sorts of stuff. We're going to be talking the point streak that the Kraken are currently on, talking about you know the the new addition in Tomas Tar and, and how he's been gelling with Matty Beneers, you know, is there a goaltender controversy brewing in Seattle? We'll get into all that kind of stuff. And of course, start off the news and notes segment with winter classic updates because you've been there. You've seen the reek being built. You've talked with the NHL people. I mean, there's just so much. They finally gave us a schedule. Wow. Uh, so Can you this, believe it? <laughs> I, I still can't. I'm still like waiting for them to like change it all uh, before I fly up there. Um, but first, RJ, got to talk. About Queen Anne Beer Hall, the wonderful sponsor of this podcast, just like they are each and every week. And remind everybody that, hey, we're going to be there for the Winter Hockey Hall on the 30th, December 30th. We don't know the exact time that we're going to be there because we're going to have to come over from some NHL um, activities. Uh, so everybody stay posted. Um you know, to, to the social channels and all that. And we'll let everybody know the time, but really excited to be able to meet up with some people over at the Queen Anne Beer Hall and uh, share a pretzel with everybody. Definitely. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of winter classic festivities, events, everything surrounding the game. And of course, Winter Hockey Hall is going to be a big part of that at the Beer Hall. Uh, we'll be coming from the media skate. So probably not going to be there before, you know, say 9 p.m. or so. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, at that point, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to hang out with everybody. Um, and it's going to be a really great time. Yep, definitely. Now, if you can't meet us at the Beer Hall, we're also going to be headed over to the Fan Fest on the 31st. Okay, and so that's, uh, we were thinking around, we'll probably be there around 6 o'clock at the Fan Fest. Don't have an exact location for a meetup there yet because we need to see what it looks like and, and all that stuff what's going on there um but we know it's going to be in the north uh the north parking lot at lumen field on the 31st nhl fan fest for the winter classic gonna be a lot of fun it's gonna be after the seahawks game so you know don't try to get there super early because uh you're just gonna have to deal with a lot of seahawks traffic uh unless you're going to the game in which case get there for the game <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah, I mean, idea. you can make a day out of it if you go to the game. It'll get right out and you can go to the uh, the fan fest there. So we're going to try and get there as early as we can to maybe scope it out and find a good spot to meet with everybody. But yeah, we don't know what the layout's going to be. Stay tuned to our socials. I mean, look at, you know, Twitter, X, Instagram. We will post where we are and, and on our Discord, too. I mean, if you're not on the Discord, yeah. you should be um, on the Discord. We will let everyone know also where we're going to be. Yeah. Oh, man. Discord's really popping off now that the uh, World Juniors started, RJ. And everybody watching the World Juniors following all five Kraken prospects there. Chalet with the hat trick today for Czechia. Pretty good stuff there. Told you, just get him out of Barry. Get him with some players who can play. He's he's going to show up again. Um, well, Dylan, it's against Norway. Does it count? Yes, it counts. 
Did all the did all those games against bad teams count for Connor Bedard last year when everybody was acting like he's the, got the most amazing World Juniors ever? Well, I mean, did he actually? Okay, yeah, he did turn out to be good. Good point. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. All right, we're, we're we're all good. I was gonna say when he was breaking records held by uh, what, Mario Lemieux and and Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, I think and Jordan Eberle and Jordan Eberle. Yeah, see, so it's it's like a you're batting a thousand as far as this production translating to the NHL there. So uh, I think it's good stuff. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, this is going to be so much more World Junior Talk later, but it's fine. Uh, Winter Classic, RJ, you have seen the rink. It exists. This isn't the NHL just pulling one over on us. It's actually there. It's being built at T-Mobile Park. What does it look like? What are your first impressions? How 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 amazing is it? Because it's got to be so cool to see that. It is pretty cool. And so the morning before I went to go see it, the NHL released a rendering of you know what it's supposed to look like on game day. And... It, it's it looks really cool. You know, it's a great rendering. But again, it doesn't have that feeling of just being there in person and kind of seeing it all take shape. Uh, but I got to see the rink in person uh, going to T-Mobile Park. And Dylan, let me tell you, this is going to be a really cool event. Now, the rink, the ice wasn't completed yet. They were just kind of putting up the boards. They had the little sheet below the ice getting ready, and they were still setting up a lot of the things. But you could kind of see where it was all going to take shape. I loved looking at the rendering right next to the construction and the work actually being done. And you could definitely, just the imagination hits you, right, with what this is going to feel like and look like on game day um and it's it's so cool we got to see it with the roof off with the roof retracted and i'm telling you i really hope the weather works out for this game because you got to see it both ways actually when we got there the roof was retracted and so you got to see it was a great you know great weather day blue skies everything what it would look like then and then they put the roof back over it kind of for the evening as it was getting colder and everything it looks so much better with the roof off dylan like i i I can't communicate just how big the difference this is roof on versus roof off. So I'm really hoping the weather works out. Yeah. I mean, well, look, it makes sense, right? Roof off. It feels like an outdoor hockey game. It feels like there's, you know, it's, it's special and it's an event roof on. And it feels like, why is, why is this rink so much bigger? And why is everybody sitting so much further away? <laughs> Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess it just that feels like a sense. bigger arena. Yeah. It wouldn't feel nearly as special. Um, so, yeah, definitely fingers crossed on the weather. You know, hopefully all that works out. Looking at the render, RJ, let's talk about that for a little while here. I love the colors and everything that they've got going on for this. Like, it looks so cool. It looks so beautiful. I love my favorite part about this. And then you could say your favorite part is just that it's like built like a dock or a pier to take the players mm -hmm. from the from the two uh, clubhouses out and to the rink, to the bench. I still don't understand, RJ, why they always, I guess it's for broadcast reasons, but why they always have to build the benches on the far side of the rink from where the players come out. So the players have to walk like a mile and a half to get to the bench. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I just think that aspect of it looks so cool. It's so Seattle. Um, I, I really, really like that aspect of it because that's not something that we've seen before at any other NHL outdoor game. Right. And that's something that they uh, definitely wanted to do is kind of have that like water type element to it, because you know, obviously you're going to lean into Seattle's maritime history and everything. Um, and so there's going to be some kind of like water element. I mean, you can see on this rendering, like, you know, the, the, the it's blue like here map. 
Right. And so um, Steve Meyer, who we got to talk to, who's uh, you know kind of in charge of the whole ring building project, he was a little cryptic about is like there's going to be some real water. There's going to be some stuff that's like not actually water. It's going to be, you know, wouldn't kind of tell us everything right away, um, but we'll kind of see how it looks closer to the game. But I mean, this rendering looks fantastic, having the dock kind of moving over towards it. I like the pirate ship in the back there's yeah. going to be like a you know shipwrecked kind of ship they they were only just building the base for it when i was there so i didn't get to see the actual ship come together but i'm interested to see what they can do with that and that's something that that meyer did talk about um saying that because the outfield is higher up so that's a, a important element to this game mm -hmm. the outfield is higher up than most outfields um the bleachers, I mean, you know, in, in most ballparks. And so he says that's going to allow them to do a lot of different things that they couldn't do elsewhere and kind of have some height to their displays. He said in other ballparks, they'd have to make sure to keep everything really low to the ground and they couldn't do a whole lot of cool stuff in the outfield because you'd start blocking people's sight lines of the game. Whereas here, you're going to have a little bit more flexibility to play with. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, and I, I really like that, the render, the, the big crack and tentacle coming up around the ship there looks looks really dope. Um, I'm, I am intrigued by that, and it is true. Like, that's something we can talk about, right? When we went to the one in Dodger Stadium, yeah, you, you it was like, oh, they threw out, they set up like a little beach volleyball place and like they let people play there and that was about it like that was that was all they could really do um so it's it is intriguing here i do wonder if the real water section just looking at the render is that little like pond next to the the cabin because <laughs> there's like a mm -hmm. cabin out there oh yeah um that's intriguing to me uh, you know the rest of the rest of the displays look like they have the same kind of map that that is that's there in front of the rink but i wonder if that'll be like a real pond next to that cabin like a a little ice fishing cabin or something there i don't know what right. that's going to be so i'm looking at it right now as far as the the picture that i took and it looks kind of more flat maybe they could make it into a pond it might be ice actually i think yeah that would be hinted cool. that there might be a little like ice kind of pond with some like kids playing on it that or something like that too i think that's what that might be yeah that would make sense that would make sense but you mentioned it earlier, and I want to talk about T-Mobile Park as yeah. just a, a venue for an outdoor game compared to other ballparks, compared to other maybe arenas that they've had, I mean, um, you know, stadiums that they've had outdoor games in. And, um, you know, the higher outfield and, and the sight lines, too, because that's something that we told people ahead of time, given our experience at Dodger Stadium. The sight line, we sat in the outfield. The yeah. sight lines were bad. We really could bad. not see the game. Yeah. And one thing that really struck me from going in person and kind of seeing where the rink was going to be, the sight lines are going to be better than Dodger stadium. They're going to be much better than Dodger stadium. And I can say that with confidence now that I've been there. Um, so I, I think that's an added plus. There's just so much more height, more elevation, right. in, in the yeah. stands at T-Mobile park. And I think that's going to really help the viewing experience for fans. Look, it's not going to be as good as at climate pledge arena, which is mm -hmm. built for this sort of thing. But I, I do think you're going to have a better chance of actually seeing the game a little bit. So I wanted to communicate that because in the past we had said, like, don't expect to see really anything game wise. I, I think if you get enough elevation, if you're high up enough, you might have a good chance. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And I think here, you know, vast majority of this is going to be elevated enough that you're going to be able to see that. Um, so I, I am definitely excited for that, excited for everybody who's going. Um, my favorite part about this render, RJ, just if we're being real, the, uh -huh. the, the falling snow that they added to the to the sides and it's the a top. little optimistic right 
I just love that idea. They they're still chasing that shootout right at the end of the the Pittsburgh Buffalo one back in the day where it started snowing as Crosby goes in and scores. That first one. I mean, I don't think anything will ever top that. Certainly not weather wise. I mean, that it was just brilliant like that I yeah the snow falling you know you've got the game's best player Sidney Crosby going in and scoring you cannot top that I don't think you're gonna see that in Seattle snow certainly not on the forecast but weather is worth talking about though yeah. because weather of course impacts these games they're outdoor games it is a factor um although I don't think it's gonna be much of a factor in this one really so talking with Steve Meyer of course he said that Look, forecast this far out. And again, it was last week that we were talking with him. So it was a ways to go. He said, you know, someone sent me a forecast for January 1st. And I just laughed at it because you just can't know that far ahead of time. He said, but I will say, you know, the forecast was good. Like what mm -hmm. we're seeing early indications are good weather for the game. Um, but but you never know. And with the roof, though, I just don't think it's going to really be a factor. He was asked about, you know, kind of potential pitfalls with the quality of the ice or the rink or anything. And he said, honestly, so far, so good. We haven't really experienced anything, any problems. And he said the roof was a big part of that. He said, I wish I could just take this roof and, and move it for every single <laughs> rink build that I do. Because if the weather ever becomes a problem, if you ever have any issues with the environment, you just put the roof up and there you go. You're set. You can keep working. You don't have to worry about delays because other times outdoors, you just have to stop working. If it rains, you got to cover the rink and stop yep. uh, versus here. You can just kind of keep going nonstop. So it sounds like this is going a lot smoother than most rink builds. Oh, gotta love that. And yeah, I got to imagine that that'll translate to the ice. I mean, I'm looking at the 10 day RJ. Um, yeah, it doesn't, you know, nothing as of now, of course, we all know that that can change, but also the weather's going to be cold, right? Like that's got to be a big factor for this, right? That hasn't always happened and been the case for them for, for these outdoor games where they'll have to go and all of a sudden the weather turns and it's like getting close to like 70 and it's like that you can tell the ice is turning into like a slushy out there. This one though, you know, if it's going to be like mid, mid forties, I got to imagine they're going to be able to really help, you know, keep that ice solid, keep it cold and and not have to worry about too many issues with it. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be less of a factor than in most outdoor games. And I mean, we'll see what the coaches and the players have to say, because that's the cool part is they get to practice on yeah. it the day before. We're going to get the chance to ask them exactly what they yeah. feel about the ice and, and what they think. Um, so we'll see how much of a factor it ends up being. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's some of the better outdoor ice that we've seen. Yeah. And and oh, boy, that'll that'll make for an exciting game to RJ uh, just just between these two teams, especially given how well the Kraken have been playing as of late. Um, why don't you why don't you let us know, though? That's that's all the like game type stuff. Stuff, RJ, but the NHL uh, did finally release kind of some of the other stuff that's going to be happening, including the entertainment that will be there for the for this this game. And boy, RJ, when it comes to the NHL and and who they pick to be the entertainers at these events, they they really they really know how to do it. Yep, we'll, we'll just say that much. Um, so some interesting entertainment choices, you know. It, Ranging from, I mean, ranging from, you know, Sir Mix-a-Lot to Heart. I mean, we'll start with Sir Mix-a-Lot. So uh, according to the press release here, Seattle native Sir Mix-a-Lot will perform one of his most popular songs during player introductions. Now, Dylan, care to guess which song you think that'll it, be? It and which be, one right? we can maybe rule out? <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, it's, you know, at most you got like a 50-50 chance on that one. And then, yeah, it's probably not going to be the one that everybody first thinks of when they think of Sir Mix-a-Lot. Although, RJ, how great would that be? 
that would just be <laughs> I- insane. You want to talk about a viral moment for yes. the NHL? Yes. <laughs> that one, everyone's going to be hearing that one. Oh, man, that's some good stuff. Yeah, but, you know, I just love how they always pick contemporary artists for these sort of things. And I like Oh, art, yes, definitely. But, like, you know, this is your big marquee, biggest event of the regular season. Ugh. Always gets me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it definitely feels like these are always, you know, 30 or so years out of date, you know, at least uh, when they chose. I mean, like, who who performed it? Um, so at Dodger Stadium, we, we had, had Kiss. Kiss. Just, yeah, yeah, kiss. Yeah, definitely fitting in the 70s. I mean, they were promoting their new Arena League football team, the <laughs> LA Kiss, which is why they were doing it, but still. I mean, I don't know. Like, this is, I got to imagine some of that's got to be Gary, though, right? Gary Bettman. We know yeah. from, from interviews, I mean, this is one of the few times you can get Gary Bettman to talk to the media is if you ask him about 70s rock. Because he's a mm. big, he's a big '70s rock guy. I mean, he'll he'll tell you about going to see like Jimi Hendrix back in the day and all that kind of stuff. The the longest interviews I've ever seen with Gary Bettman are him talking about music of that era. And so I got to assume that the reason these bands always end up in these things is because Gary Bettman's involved. Yeah, you know that that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look, who was it uh, at uh, Levi's Stadium when I went? It was John Fogerty. Yeah, who is I uh, just checked seventy eight years old now. <laughs> um, so that's that's the kind of choices they make. But you know, Sir, Sir Mixalot will be fun though. Yes, I, I really, yes. I do think Sir Mixalot will, will be get fun, the... even if he's not from our generation. Yeah, he will get the crowd. He will get the crowd going. Everybody's going to be happy. He's a he's a fabulous entertainer. I mean, Hart's good too. They're they're great at that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just always kind of funny how that ends up. Yeah, and I I, case. I I bet the song's going to be Posse on Broadway though, because they play that before every Kraken game anyway. You'll yeah. you'll feel like you're at a at a Kraken game. You know, if you go to a lot of them, um, that'll have some familiarity that's, there so I, I bet you that's what the song's gonna be that's a good question i don't expect you to have the answer rj how how kraken specific are we expecting things right like is this going to feel like a kraken home game or is it going to be a little bit more neutral because it is such a, an nhl league-wide event like what are your expectations for this do you think that we're going to be getting a lot of kraken centric graphics up on the video board and and stuff like that and music choices um, will we be getting the the goal song if the Kraken score right? Like I think these are some interesting questions. I don't know that you have answers though. Right, I, I don't have definitive answers I, for the goal song. I would certainly imagine that they would. I mean, at the two outdoor games I've been to, right, they had the goal song, right? Yeah. Uh, for the home team, that seems like kind of par for the course. Um, and I, I do think they are going to try and tailor it because maybe more than a regular outdoor game, because it's Seattle's first, because this is really kind of a milestone here for a newer market. Mm-hmm. I think they're really going to want to lean into the Seattle element of it so i think we'll see a lot of kraken specific things um as opposed to you know an outdoor game let's say if it's you know boston and phil or chicago again you know against like detroit somewhere you know it's going to be more of a league event but i think you know in this case it's going to be more seattle based yeah i'm i i certainly would enjoy that and look forward to that uh anything else about the the winter classic you want to talk about here yeah, so there's a few more things as far as like the uh, the office entertainment. I just want to say they've got for the um, the national anthem they got Nikhil Baga, who's uh, 14 years old um, guitarist. Like he is awesome on the guitar. Yep. He's done the national anthem a couple times at Kraken games before, and like really gets the crowd going. Um, he can only 14 year old kid, but man, he can shred. So that'll be really cool. That'll get everyone going. Um, there's going to be a uh, a flyover uh, featuring two MH60S Seahawk. Uh, aircrafts so the naval air station Whidbey island search and rescue unit so that's cool a couple mm-hmm. helicopters going over there um 
And then the second intermission. So I, I thought this was interesting. They're going to do a, a tribute to Seattle sports um, with appearances from, you know, some Seattle sports athletes. You got Jamal Crawford, Matt Hasselbeck, Walter Jones, Steve Largent, Marshawn Lynch. I mean, you got to have to have yeah. him in there, right? Edgar Martinez, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Lenny Wilkins. You know, you're going to have a lot of great names in Seattle sports there, which I think it's cool that they're, again, leaning into the mm-hmm. Seattle side of things. Um, and, and I was hoping there'd be, I mean, you know, I, I see some Mariners there. I was hoping there'd really be like a Mariners-themed yeah something right lean into it being into their ballpark but it seems like they're going with seattle sports in general not a problem but i just was really hoping like a mariners type thing yeah yeah i mean we've we've talked about this in the past i I still think that could have been a a good way for them to promote this whole event was would be to incorporate the mariners back while the mariners were still playing right you can get some some current mariners in there and involved right julio would be cool to see um, there and stuff but I also understand baseball's a grueling schedule so for the current guys on the team uh, yeah let them enjoy their off season. <laughs> I understand that one for sure yeah makes sense help isn't coming next year so let them enjoy the off season before next year starts <laughs> oh man yes this might be the most exciting I did see that on Twitter somebody saying wow I'm, I'm really happy that the most exciting event to happen at that ballpark gets out gets done and out of the way on the first of the year <laughs> oh man yeah sorry uh, mariners fans yeah it's like we all know like we all know it's fine um (laughs) all right so that's all the good winter classic stuff rj just can't wait for it i fly up in just a couple days two days actually get up there and then oh man the the media schedule is uh daunting we'll say (laughs) when they sent that email finally to us it's like oh it's nonstop. yeah it's gonna be fun including those uh those two opportunities to meet up with everybody really looking forward to it now as we um as we transition away from that rj you know we talked a lot about the 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 stuff the hoopla around the game but when it comes to the game itself rj right now the kraken are playing some of the best hockey that they've played all year long Right. And so they're going to, you know, they've got two games before then, but hopefully they're able to carry some of that momentum over into the Winter Classic as they're currently on a six game point streak, winning four of those six games. RJ, they're just they're just playing really well right now. Right. Pick up three points against a good team in the L.A. Kings beat up on some other teams survive a, a Zegris Michigan goal. Right. <laughs> uh, and and they're just playing, I think, RJ, their best hockey this year. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how you could really argue with that, given the point streak that they've put up and, and you know, how they've done previously. Um, tonight, they'll have a chance to go for their first three-game win streak of the season, which I think would be huge for them to kind of bust through that barrier, being able to string yeah. more than two wins together. Um, but you know what? They're collecting wins, they're collecting points, and, and they're getting themselves back into the thick of things in the standings. And that's really important because, I mean... They're playing the way we know they can play. We mm-hmm. we had this debate over and over again. Are they are they a bad team? Are they actually a bad team? You know, we're seeing flashes of brilliance. Can they string that together? Can they find that consistency? Can they find those 60-minute efforts? And they've shown over the last six games, yes, they can do that. We know they're capable of this now and missing some of their better players as well. So it, it's a good sign going forward. I think now you just start kind of that long climb back into the standings because it's not going to be easy. You know, you're not going to get right back into the top three in the Pacific quickly, but, um, you know, you have a lot of work ahead of you, but they've shown they can do that work. Yeah, they have. And oh, man, it's been it's been really rough as I start standings watch. And, you know, you look at the other teams that they're involved in this wild card hunt with, right? The Coyotes, the Blues, Wild Flames, Oilers. 
I swear, RJ, Kraken finally figure it out, and every other team just continues to go on a win streak. Like, the Kraken have essentially, despite turning things around, collecting a ton of points, they're not making up any ground, really, just because everybody else continues to compile points as well. It's uh, That can be a little bit frustrating, but it's one of those things. If the Kraken are able to just continue on this pace, continue to accumulate points, they'll be fine in the long run. You know, I refuse to believe the Coyotes, Blues, or Wild are going to win out the rest of this year. It's not going to be a problem. Um, but it is just one of those things, like right when the Kraken turn it around, you want to get all excited about things, and then you look at it, and it's like, oh, well, they're, they're still sixth in the wild card hunt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've dug yourself a hole. You can't just leap out of it 10 feet you know immediately uh it's gonna be a long journey but again slow and steady wins the race and you know it starts tonight against calgary too that's the team that's right in front of you in the standings yeah yeah you're tied with them at 33 points they've got one game in hand this is going to be a big one for the kraken tonight at the saddle dome rj second oldest rink in the league Yeah, well, I mean, do we say third oldest? Ah, okay, that's actually, this would be a good one. Should We should ask Kraken fans this one, I, I think, right? Like, this is this would be the appropriate audience to ask about it, right? Okay, yeah, let's do it. So Dylan and I, we were looking at, at the, after the Red Glare podcast, no, during the Red Glare podcast, actually, yeah. we were we were talking about the oldest rinks in the NHL. And so um, I knew that Madison Square Garden, of course, like last I looked it up was number one, you know, much older than the other rinks, uh, but it's, you know, historic, they've renovated it, all that. And I knew that the Saddle Dome in Calgary was number two. Um, but then I went back to look it up again to see who was number three. And I went onto the Wikipedia page and I sorted it again by, you know, opening date. And there was a new number one, actually. It was Climate Pledge Arena. Because <laughs> I guess if you take the old Key Arena back far enough, right, it was opened so earlier than Madison Square Garden. So I guess question to all of you, and, and let us know in the comments, does that count? Should the Kraken be viewed as having the oldest arena in the league? It doesn't feel that way to anybody who's been no. there, obviously. And it's very different. But I mean, I guess, you know, Madison Square Garden's been renovated a number of times. So what do you think? Is it is it the oldest in the NHL? Yes, um, it's it's a it's an interesting question because like there's renovations and then there's like you know tearing it down to a dirt lot, and building back up again, Just lifting the roof off, putting it back up on top when you're done. Yeah, because that's essentially what happened here, and so it's it's an interesting like you know how do we go from here? But I, I am curious to hear Krakens and and Seattle fans take on that because I, I think that's a really interesting uh, idea and uh, for for the kraken to have it's it just sounds wrong <laughs> like i don't know i'm just in camp it's not <laughs> just because it just sounds wrong yeah. uh for the kraken to have the oldest barn in the nhl um okay so back to the kraken they're they're playing well they're they're on the six game point streak and one of the reasons for that rj is the instant chemistry that tomas tatar has with the maddie Beneers line Right. Like they are just they are playing fantastic. Maddie's on his second three game point streak of the season. Tatar's picking up points and scoring goals. Jordan Eberle's, you know, getting back on the board. It's kind of helping to wake him up. How big has this Tatar trade really been for the Kraken? Because at the time it felt like, okay, they're, you know, look, they're dealing with a ton of injuries, bringing a guy who's struggling somewhere else. Maybe just the change of scenery gets him going. I'm not sure I expected this right. This level of hitting the ground running. Yeah, I didn't either. I was thinking it's a good low risk trade because you're only giving up a fifth round pick. It's a guy who's kind of having an off year, right? But through four games, 
He has four points with the yeah. Kraken and the chemistry with Maddie Beneers has been incredible. What they've been able to do in such a short time that really no other player has been able to do with Maddie Beneers this mm -hmm. season and kind of get that line jump started. Um, and, and I do wonder how much Ron Francis looked at it. I, I'd be really interested to know. He'd never tell you, obviously, what his exact thinking was behind the trade. But you could look at it from the direction of, okay, we need goals and we need cheap goals. And here's a guy who's been a 20 goal scorer. He's having a down year. We can acquire him cheaply. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. But also, I mean, look, as a GM, you know, you're consulting with a scouting staff. You're consulting with people who are probably going to know, okay, this is the way that Matty Beneers plays, the way he likes to play. We can try and find somebody who's kind of tailor-made for to you know to fit that chemistry wise how Matty Beneers plays and I'm you know I'm sure this is an NHL team with a, a full scouting staff I'm sure there was some deeper thought behind it but yeah. you wonder just how intentional it was because the chemistry it's been like they've been playing together for a long time yeah and you know you mentioned the four points for for Tatar in the four games you look at Matty Beneers and I mean he's rocking five points in his last three games just like you know, insane for, for him this season, right, after he's been struggling so much. But they do. They look like they were meant to play together, right? It just – it looks like they are they are there together. I mentioned this when the Kraken kind of made that shakeup to how they were playing, what their style of play was as they went away from that whole kind of clumping up in, in front of opposing teams' nets and hoping for tips, hoping for redirects, all that kind of stuff, that when you go to a more creative, free-flowing style of offense, you're going to need to rely on chemistry. And we knew the Yanni Gord line had chemistry. We knew that that existed for them. We knew the kind of guys that, that Alexander Wenberg plays better with and, and who they could be with. And we knew that with Matty Beneers, you know, he was going to be the kind of player who's going to want to be able to, to, you know, take a look around the ice and then make a play, right? That's what he needs. He needs to be able to, to take pick his head up, look around, make a play. And... I, the Tatar wasn't the kind of player that originally I would have thought would help with that RJ, right? Like I don't think of him as say a big body who's going to go in and give his center space, right? That's certainly not his game. But what he does is he he makes himself available. He opens himself up really well out there on the ice. He's always moving. He's always skating. He's always hitting these open pockets of passing lanes that will allow his center to get him the puck. And then once he has the puck, he's totally capable of making a play. And I think that's what we've been seeing a lot. And that instant chemistry has just done so much. Now that the Kraken are playing a style that can really use that, right? Like before, they just weren't really in a place to use the chemistry. Even with the Yanni Gord line, it wasn't always there. Not because the chemistry wasn't there, just because it doesn't fit, right, within that system. But now that it fits and it works, and, and you're seeing the confidence back with Matty Beneers too, because that's the other thing we talked about. He didn't look comfortable. He didn't look confident. You could tell that all that stuff was taking a hit from him. He absolutely looks confident now, RJ. I think of two plays in particular. The one, I believe this was in the Kings game at Climate Pledge, where he makes that big, long stretch pass to Jordan Eberle on the breakaway, mm -hmm. right, to set up the breakaway, where it's Maddie gets the puck, right? I believe he catches it. He drops it down, picks his head up, takes a second, makes the long pass, hits Jordan Eberle right, you know, tape to tape in stride, allows Eberle to go in and do his thing. And then I think of the one um, where Maddie, it's coming off a rush. Eberle breaks it out of the zone, up to Tatar. Tatar takes it in, button hooks along the boards, sends it over to Maddie. Maddie's got Vince Dunn coming in with him. And Maddie, again, showing patience. He's in control now. He's confident. He's got the control. He shows patience, lets the Ducks defender go down all the way, fully commit to taking away the pass. That allows Maddie to know what his options are. He's able to 
put you know a little bit of sauce on the puck, get it up over the duck's stick, and right on the money for Vince Dunn to put in a tap, a tap and goal. We weren't seeing Matty Beniers play like that. We were not seeing him that confident, that in control of the game before this. And to see him like that, I got to think everybody's doubts about the kind of player he can be just vanish. Because when you see a guy make plays like that in the NHL, RJ, it just doesn't happen that often. And for him to, to look that comfortable doing it is really great. Yeah, a little bit of sauce on that pass. I mean, that was slathered on. That's like you with the Buffalo Wild Wings sauce. (laughs) I mean, that was an incredible pass. And I'm glad you brought up that done goal because it highlights, I I think, you know, for me, the biggest reason that Tatar works with Beniers is because Tatar, he's a controlled entry machine. Yes. And and this is something that's been known about him. I mean, that's one of the reasons the analytics people love him so much Mm -hmm. is that he's great at getting controlled offensive zone entries with the puck where he can do something like button hook and find Matty Beniers in space and give a player that skilled and creative like Maddie, a chance to make a play like that with the mm-hmm. saucer pass. Um, and, and so I think that's the element that he brings that really no other winger that, that Maddie's had this season has brought. Um, and I think what it also allows Hackstall to do in, in a grander strategy kind of perspective, right? When you're looking at line matchups. So the Yanni Gord line has essentially become the first line time on ice wise. We've talked yeah. about this in past podcasts and Wenberg number two. And so the Maddie Veneers line has kind of become the third line. That's basically how they've been playing, but that's been the result of them just kind of playing like a third line and playing, you know, maybe not all that great, but now that they're clicking, they are a real matchup issue for other teams, mm-hmm. because if you have the Yanni Gord line that can put your first line in check and make sure they don't get a whole lot done, the Wenberg line, they kind of do a similar thing. How is your third line going to go up against a player as skilled as Matty Beneers with some talented players around him who are scoring and producing right now? It's a matchup nightmare. And so I think Hackstall can kind of continue to roll with this. And I hope that he does continue to give this line, you know, other teams third lines and get those mismatches going. But it's something the Kraken just weren't really able to do depth wise previously this season. Right. And, you know, look, there's there's going to be stuff, right? I, I could see people if they if they want to be downers, right, looking at Tatar's production and being like, look, he's shooting at twenty eight and a half percent like this isn't going to be sustainable. Yeah. But also, if if he wakes up Matty Beneers and Jordan Everly, who are shooting at seven and a half and in the low six percent for, for Everly there, like that's that'll even out right and that line will produce and it's going to be good you know I I mentioned the kind of player Tatar is I think you touched on it too right by by him being a controlled entry guy who can who can take the puck into the zone do a button hook you know what makes that play work is he really sucks in the other Ducks defenseman right the other Ducks defenseman has to 100% commit to Tatar because he has that controlled entry so when he button hooks and protects the puck from that second Ducks defenseman that's what allows Maddie to have the two on one right like that's just a smart smart hockey play and that's something that the Kraken have been missing. Really, all of their lines have been missing this year. Somebody who can do that. And so I hope that not just is he going to do that for this Maddie Beneers line, give you know, provide more time and space to guys like Maddie and Jordan Everly and, and try to get them going. But I do wonder and hope, RJ, if maybe the rest of the team starts picking up on some of that stuff. If the coaching staff starts implementing plays like that for the other lines and just tries to introduce that as a concept. Because um, I I feel like that would really get a lot of people back on board with this team, RJ, if they stop uh, dump and chase. 
Yeah, I think so. Well, again, if you have a third line that's scoring and producing for you and the fourth line's woken up a little bit, too, although, you know, they've had some injuries there. But again, if you're getting that depth scoring, it allows you to have a little bit more creativity with like a Gord line or a Wenberg line. Whereas before there was no margin for error and you had to be super safe and you have to dump and chase a lot because you're just trying to keep the other team off the board. Whereas now you have a little bit more flexibility to play with. Yeah, and to, to be fair, that line was good at that. They were good at keeping uh, the puck away from other teams. It was just they, they just couldn't seem to, to put it in. Um, so that's all good stuff. I guess it, I, don't, I don't think we did mention it, and this would have been since the last podcast, but we do know with Belmar now, right, the latest injury, mm-hmm. four to six weeks, broken leg. Sucks. Hate to hate to see that from him. And again, he's a guy who's always willing to put his body on the line. You know, he blocked a shot and and that caused it. And um, you know, we've seen him nicked up from block shots earlier this season. You know, it's it's a risky business, right? When yeah. you're out there throwing your body on the line, this is the kind of thing that can happen. But um, you know, he takes one for the team there. Hopefully he'll be back quickly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so that's been an, an element of this uh crack and turnaround, RJ. That that first line, the Tatar trade, all that good stuff. One of the other things that's been a big part of that been Joey Decord, right? Joey has been playing lights out right now for the Seattle Kraken. RJ, 9-12 save percentage on the season. Unthinkable. Just I didn't un- know that was possible. I didn't know that the number could be that high for a Kraken goaltender. Like, it just doesn't look right. My brain is struggling to comprehend it, as even as I'm looking at it. But you look at his last five games, RJ. I'm just going to read out his save percentage. 941 in the last game against the Ducks, 977, 857, 947, 955. Incredible. He has been on fire. He's been everything that the Kraken have needed to break out of their slump. He's putting them in position to win games, collect points. He's making big time saves, RJ, on breakaways. I mean, breakaways just seem like automatic saves for this guy at the moment. Um, just don't take him deep into a shootout, maybe. Uh, but, you know, the breakaways <laughs> look fantastic. The angles, he's doing a good job of, you know, playing the puck responsibly, I would say. I mean, there's he's just. He's, he's everything that the Kraken need and more right now. And it does beg the question, RJ, of when Grubauer comes back, what does this mean? Right. And it's, it's an important question to ask because at least for the time being – you know, it's Joey's net, of yep. course. I mean, what, he has eight straight starts at this point. I mean, they've really leaned on him with Grubauer getting hurt. This is the second year in a row. The Kraken mm-hmm. have had their backup really step up when Grubauer gets injured. And it, unfortunately, it's happened twice in a row, you know, two years where Grubauer has an injury that looks kind of similar, keeps him out for a while. Uh, but I think when he comes back, you're going to see at least initially what you saw last time, where you remember, Dylan, last season, Martin Jones was playing really well and Hackstall kind of kept going with him for a little while, at least as long as Jones was playing well, inserted Grubauer in maybe, you know, one out of every three games or so, but Jones still got a lot of starts that could have mm-hmm. gone to Grubauer. I think you're going to continue to see that once Grubauer comes back, Joey's kind of kind of be the lead goalie. And that's when the real question comes in is once Grubauer is really ramped up to hundred percent, is Joey going to continue to get those starts and looking at Dave Hackstall's history, I think he will if he keeps playing this well. The reason that Jones didn't is because Jones kind of fell off a little bit. I think he got burned out. And mm-hmm. look, that's kind of predictable given that, you know, his age and and his recent history with how he'd been playing. I don't know that we have reason to think that Joey was going to get burned out here or is going to, you know, decline in his level of play. So I think Hackstall is going to continue to ride the hot hand. 
Yeah, I, I think so. It sounds like Fuji's got some thoughts about this as well. Yes, he, he has opinions on the goalies, don't you, Fuji? <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that's probably what we're going to end up seeing. I think, look, long term, anybody who's, who's going to be looking at this is like, you know, oh, should, should Joey be the number one? Is this now Joey's net? Is it his crease? All that kind of stuff. You know, realistically, right, Grubauer's contract is what it is. He's being paid like a high-level goalie. He's being paid like a number one. He's always going to be the number one while he's around and while he's on that contract so at the end of the day Grubauer is going to be there he is Fuji go ahead let him let, talk about it talk about it Fuji talk about it now I'm holding him he won't talk yeah, about no, it of course a reason to watch the video version of this on YouTube definitely at this point I am holding Fuji up for those just listening on audio and now he's getting antsy so I'm gonna let him go yep um sorry to interrupt you Dylan no no worries so I I think long term like this is it's it's Grubauer's net it's kind of always going to be Grubauer's net just because of what the contract situation is or at least until say the last year of his contract maybe then you start seeing things turn over and, and work towards somebody else the, the question I have, RJ, as I'm trying to think about this, is you're being dusted by his tail right now. It's very adorable. Um, is Grubauer really just like a playoff goalie, right? Like, could we see something, RJ, where the Kraken are, you know... <laughs> tail is hysterical. I'm sorry, Dylan. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's look like, it looks like a big Kraken tentacle coming up out of the water. I was just thinking to that you. too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely what it looks like. Um is is this a scenario, RJ, where we might see something where in the regular season the Kraken have to rely on somebody like a Joey Decord, but then as you transition towards playoff time, Grubauer starts coming back in. Grubauer becomes your playoff goaltender because, look, to be to be fair, RJ, looking at both of their styles, looking at what they've both done well at and what they've struggled with, Grubauer is the guy I would go in the playoffs. The playoff style game seems to fit Philip Grubauer a lot more. His career numbers would say that he is better in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. Joey Decord, I feel like, is very much the opposite. I don't know that come playoff style hockey, Joey Decord is going to be able to make you know the saves that he's been making and and stay as dialed in as he has been just because of of what that means. Do you think that that might be a recipe for success this year and even say next year, RJ, for the Kraken, where it's Go ahead and kind of split them during the regular season. You know, even lean on Joey when you have to, when you feel like Grubauer is just not feeling it, which, you know, could be argued for this year, even when Grubauer has been healthy. It's been his worst year with the Kraken, believe it or not. Um, you could do that. And then the last month of the season, you start going Grubauer number one, let and then let him take the reins for the playoffs. I think it's certainly possible. I mean, you know what? Like, I, I think when it comes to the regular season side of it, I think that's what every team really, unless you've got like, you know, Vasilevsky or Shesterkin or something yeah. like that. I think that's what every team should do. You want to split your goalies and get that workload so that your goalie doesn't get burned out. I think that's really important to do. Um, I mean, that's kind of my philosophy is, is you go cheap in net. You have a couple guys that are each, you know, can play. Right. And you mm -hmm. kind of figure out who's the best of those two just in that season, because goaltending is just so hard to predict. I mean, you know, who, who of us had Jonathan quick as potentially the best goalie in the NHL this year, you know, numbers wise. I mean, you just, you look at that and, and at the top goalies this year, and it's kind of unpredictable. So I, I think that's what you should do during the regular season is kind of go for that even split, make sure both guys are fresh. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you can kind of work from there. And, and certainly given Grubauer's injury history, I think it's something that's, worth talking about now given that it's been two years in a row this has happened you know he's he's over 30 this mm -hmm. is something that can happen to nhl goalies like it is brutal on the body 
especially, you know, the, that area of the body, right? Your legs, your groin, your hips, uh, just yeah. moving that way. It's not really meant to do that. And so goalies can kind of wear down over time. I think you have to manage their workload. And then you find a goalie who's, you know, whoever's kind of going hottest leading up to the playoffs and you give them a little bit more of a run. Personally, I don't mind if that's Joey. Like if this yeah. continues where you have Grubauer playing how he had previously this season and you have Joey continuing to play like this, I'd go with him and give him some more starts and, and prepare for him as your starting playoff goalie. I I really don't believe in kind of having those allegiances. And, and I know you're saying that like over a playoff style, right, where you kind of scout for the other goalie and everything, Joey might not be as good. I don't, I don't know that that's really the case. Like you look at, I mean, I'm trying to think of the similar goalies, right, that come out and, and play the puck and do that. You know, I think of Mike Smith. Yeah. Who, um, you know, he's had his good moments and had his bad moments in the playoffs, but he's certainly had good playoff runs in the past. Definitely. Like you have goalies that can do that. So um, I, I wouldn't mind. I would just go with whoever's the hottest goalie at this point. And I understand the contract is going to dictate certain things. I mm -hmm. think that's probably going to play into what they will actually do. But if I was the one making the decisions. I would just ride with the hot hand. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. I I wasn't thinking so much Joey's playing of the puck or or maybe you know the breakaway stuff so much as like Grubauer just finds a way of of dialing in right. Like when when it is that he can't low elevate scoring, his game. Yeah, that low scoring style of game where it's heavier heavier duty right. Teams are forechecking hard. They're trying to get those those pucks in in deep, and they're trying to then try to generate something out of that. It just feels like Grubauer is is more built for that style of play, which less and less teams are playing during the regular season now, right? We're seeing a lot of teams play very different now in the regular season, and it, and it seems to be suiting Joey Decord, but I, you know, I'll believe it when I see it for that kind of more fast-paced, looser style come playoff time. Like, I just don't think that that's ever going to become a thing in the NHL. Um, the other question, though, right before we, we leave this one, RJ, that I want to talk about is... How concerned should the Kraken be about Philip Grubauer? Because like I said, he's he's having his worst season right now, right? He's he's not getting younger. We're, his second season in a row with the injuries. I mean, do you think that the Kraken should start being, or, you know, Kraken fans anyway, should start being concerned about the long-term outlook on Philip Grubauer right now? Not just because, you know, he's he's getting older, the injuries are, are piling up. And I know that the numbers this year are, are most likely affected by said injuries, but that's part of it. Yeah, it is. And well, like the injuries, yeah, it's, those are real. They don't go away. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, at, at age 32 also, you know, it's, it's harder to kind of bounce back from that. And you know, with the term on the contract, three years left after this one, I, I think there should certainly be some concern there. Um, and you know, it, it's tough because Grubauer, you know, we, I know we've supported him a lot, you know, in yeah. the past on this podcast. And I, I still think he's got you yep. know a lot of good games left in him. Um, but, you know, injuries are difficult, especially for goalies. And again, you know, my philosophy in that, I right. Do. You know, I, <laughs> I don't need to say it again. And, and term scares me with goalies and injuries is a big reason why. Mm -hmm. And especially with older goalies, term scares me. And so, yeah, I, I think that's certainly a concern because especially if you, you know, we, we've kind of had this conversation with with fans with Andre Burakovsky where it feels like, okay, it's so difficult when he's just not really in the lineup or only in the lineup half the time. That money is still being allocated there and you can't really just go out and replace it very easily. If you have a goalie that's in that situation as well, that's maybe missing 15, 20 games a year with injury at least, uh, it makes it a lot harder to solidify things in that. Yeah, it does. And it'll be then interesting too. like 
after a year like this, Joey Decord is under contract for next year, RJ, that you could start talking extension with him. Right? Like, so it's going to be interesting how the rest of this year plays out, what Ron Francis is going to want to do in, in next offseason. I think if we, if you did see an extension done with Joey Decord, I think that would signal that the Kraken do have those concerns as well. Right? Coming off back-to-back yeah. years of, of Grubauer having injury issues and, and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, say, Kraken are able to get back into that wild card chase and Grubauer, you know, is a big part of that come late in the year. Maybe we see maybe we see things differently come then. It's certainly look, I want that for Grubauer. I, I'm a big fan of his. He's a great person, all that good stuff. Big fan of the beer hall. Love that. Uh, yep. It's just the un, the unfortunate realities of looking at things big picture. And, you know, it, it doesn't look great right now anyway. Um, OK, so we, we've talked about that aspect of it, RJ. There's one more aspect of, of things from this six game point streak to be mentioned. And that's Riker Evans. And Riker Evans has been playing fantastic, RJ. He's come in, really helped out the team, stepped in for Justin Schultz, played well, had his first bad game against Dallas, right? First game where he looked like a rookie out there. He was making some rookie mistakes, kind of, you know, costing the team in certain situations, struggled to hold the blue line a couple times, things like that. Next game come out, he's scratched for Justin Schultz. Justin Schultz re-enters the lineup, looks rusty, I think is the way to, to, to say it about Justin Schultz. He looked, so. he looked pretty rusty in that one. And then for that game in Anaheim, Riker Evans came back into the lineup and played well. I um I, I think that spot's just Riker Evans now. Like, I think we can just say that. Yeah, I think we can. I, you know, I was wondering how long the, the scratch would last, right? He had a rough game. You send him up there to the press box to kind of watch things from a distance and kind of take things in, which I think helped Riker as well when he was in AHL. I know he was playing games, but also just watching the Kraken games on TV. Like he said, mm-hmm. he would watch almost all the Kraken games and just having that perspective of it. But you never know how a coach is going to approach that. You, some coaches, you know, you have a bad game, you make some mistakes and they sit you down for a week at least. And, you know, that's kind of the message. But I do like that Hackstall put Riker Evans right back in there, especially after Schultz maybe didn't have the best game and was kind of rusty. I think it shows the the amount of trust that Hackstall has in his young defenseman, that he's willing to put him back out there, put him back out in some key situations as well. Um, I, this spot is, I, I can't see him losing it really, unless he has a bunch of bad games together, but he played well against Anaheim and he's just kind of keeping that run going. He brings this dynamic element that, you know, the other players that you could put him instead just don't really bring. And I, again, I like what Schultz brings. He's certainly an NHL caliber defenseman, yeah. but he's on the outside looking in right now. And, and given the contract situation, we were talking about it with Grubauer. I mean, the contracts can certainly be telling in situations like these, Schultz is up at the end of the year. And and I think you really have to start asking questions about his future with the team. Yeah. And and I think the biggest telltale sign for this, RJ, is still their average time on ice. Right? Dave Haxtell's given Riker Evans eighteen oh five a night. When Justin Schultz is in the lineup, he's getting sixteen oh four. That's a big gap for somebody essentially playing the same role, right? Third pairing guy who also plays on the power play. That's a big, big gap 
for 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 somebody who's just you know stepping into the other player's shoes so i gotta think that also means that you know look they're looking for somebody who is a little bit more dynamic who's feeling things a little bit better right now who's who's doing a better job of helping generate offense something that this team has struggled with and and i just think Riker evans has proven to be that spark in a way that justin schultz has just struggled to do this year and i think that that's been a big part of it and the fact that Riker Evans isn't looking like a rookie on the back end, right? When they're having to defend, he doesn't look like a rookie. Yes, he's playing things very safe. He's playing very conservative. He's not taking any chances. He's not going to necessarily step up and make a big hit or do something like that, but he's keeping bad things from happening. And sometimes that's all you need your defenseman to do. And Riker Evans is getting that job done for the Kraken. Yeah. And I want to give some credit to Dave Haxtall here too, because I, I know he kind of has this reputation, certainly with like Flyers fans of maybe kind of being bad with the younger players and mm-hmm. not giving them the chance to grow and succeed. And certainly after Evans was healthy scratched for that one game, right? There were a lot of people that were like, oh no, you know, you're going to do this to the young kid. You have to make some mistakes. You got to let him learn. Um, I think Haxtell's handled this pretty well. He's yeah. giving Evans the chance to play those big minutes when he's in the games. And then, you know, a one game healthy scratch, I really don't have a problem with it as long as it's just the one game. And that's all it was. So I think Haxtell deserves some credit there for, you know, for kind of sticking by his young player. And I think, you know, maybe that reputation that, that Haxtell might've built in Philly, you know, starting to change a little bit in Seattle. I I certainly think it should, especially after the way he's handled, say, Matty Beniers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like in the past, bringing him in at the end of that first season, get him going, the amount of opportunities and ice time that they've given to Matty Beniers, right? First line minutes and stuff. He never had to do that. Like, you know, you know, the franchise wants that, right? He's the, he's the future of yeah. it, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean that the coach is going to do it. Um, so I, re- I really like that aspect of it. Um, this would be the, the final question here for, for me on this one, RJ. This will also tie back around to um, Tatar being brought in. And I know that this is, this is purely speculative. But how much do you think, like, when it comes to a trade for a Tatar kind of guy, that Ron Francis talks with Dave Haxtall? about it right like you know you were mentioning they have a good scouting department they have good analytics people i wonder how much of that really trickles down to hackstall and hackstall gets the input too of hey what are you seeing from maddie what kind of player do you think you know we're looking at this guy do you think that that would work well with maddie right now given what he's struggling with that kind of stuff um i'm always curious on that kind of behind the scenes stuff and i know you don't have a definitive answer but i i'm just i always think that stuff's fascinating yeah, I mean, obviously they don't let me in on those conversations, but um, why not? You know, <laughs> but but speaking generally, I, I know there's a lot of communication though from all levels of the organization, certainly from Francis to Hackstall, and and you know that connection there. I mean, they they talk all the time, and and there is I, I can't imagine that Francis would make a trade like that without consulting Dave Hackstall and and kind of seeing where he's going to fit into the lineup and you know what Hackstall wants to do with a player like that. I mean, that's one of the benefits of this organization where I think there's a lot of that communication all the time, whether it's from Francis to Hackstall or Hackstall to the players, or you know th- these things can kind of get relayed up and down the chain pretty easily. It seems like in this organization, and you know that's always a good thing to have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I certainly appreciate that. Is there anything else you want to talk about, RJ, here uh, before the Kraken, you know, get, get things back underway against the Flames tonight? Um, I guess just checking Twitter here. Carson Rykoff with a uh, 
with a pretty nice move here to score against Latvia and the World Juniors. I'm sure you're going to have a lot more uh, great World Juniors talk. Again, if you're not on the Discord, everybody, join the Discord. I mean, everyone's uh, following all the Kraken prospects in the World Juniors and, and lots of good stuff. Um, I'm sure we'll leading up to the Winter Classic as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was a nice move, cutting to the net driving the net using his size the future is bright dylan oh just a borrow from earlier though does it count given who he's playing against rj <laughs> yeah well let's see what's the score that goal made it four nothing i guess we'll see if it if they get to 10 or something <laughs> that's always what all the detractors want to use at the world juniors but i say look it counts right like it's still you're playing against good players if you're in that tournament it's a big deal really happy for him he played himself in the first game up into like a more regular line spot i had a feeling he probably would for this team Canada I look I don't think he's gonna end up in the top six or anything for team Canada I said this on the prospect live chat where I did a world juniors preview so much of his game is is defending defending the transition defending through the neutral zone all that stuff makes sense to me that that them being able to see that you know in game settings uh I'm sure the tune-up game against Team USA helped with that too, seeing what he could potentially add to that team and what might be needed for them as the tournament goes longer. Uh, team Canada, of course, got to assume they're they're you know counting on going to a gold medal game. I think I think Rykov's gonna gonna come in and and be really well, do really well in a bottom six capacity for them. Uh, you know whether it's at, at on the wing or at center, I just think that's what he's really built for. And uh, not not surprised to see him having some success. That's for sure. Yeah, he's making his case right now. Yeah, so really excited about all that. I've been recording all the games. Going to be doing you know putting together highlight packages and stuff for all the all the cracking prospects there to be talking about on the next prospect live chat once the world juniors is over really looking forward to that everybody can check out the patreon um various links all over the place if you're watching on youtube in the description below <laughs> but yeah really it's my favorite time of year rj not because of the holidays but because of the world juniors yep it's, it's a great time here we got world juniors we got the winter classic lots of stuff to look forward to in the next week yep definitely all right everybody we're going to do one more shout out to queen Anne beer hall remind everybody 30th winter hockey hall Go there, you know, check out all the cool stuff that Queen Anne Beer Hall has set up for that. Uh, and then we will be joining later on in the night, like you said, probably closer to around nine o'clock uh, in the evening. So, you know, hopefully everybody uh, can stay around and catch us because I'd love to, to see everybody talk, hang out. Like I said, have pretzels, all that good stuff with everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Should be a lot of fun. And then also, you know. Stay tuned to socials so we can figure out where we're all going to meet at the Fan Fest on the 31st around 6 o'clock. Should be, should be a lot of fun for that. Really excited to, to get up there again, be around for the Winter Classic. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you all there, and we will see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout-out to all of our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash emeraldcityhockey, especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane? Alex, Alvi, Andrew, Anonymous, Anthony, Beef, Ben, Brad, Brian, Burnt Creme, Kat, Kaylin, Shazzle Dazzle, Chip, Chris, Christian, Cody, Connor, Coop, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Evie99, Eli, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Empty Net Hockey, Eric, Ethan, Evan, Fusion Mix, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Helena, Habak, Jay, Jane, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, 
Josh, Joshua, Julia, Justin, Katie, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken, Leanne, Levin, Light, Lonnie, Maeve, Mark, Max, Maya, Michelle, Nick, Nightdrop, Noah, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Randall, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, Sia Kraken, Sean, Sean, Sergey, Sergeant Pickles, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Tasty Kobold, Team 114 Chris, Ty, Wendy, Where the Slovakians At, Zame, and Zoe. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.